along, you have to as well. So make sure you sign up for specials. We'd like to get more and more specials on there. We got this lapel on. All right, Matthew, whoa, there it is, Matthew chapter 6, probably turn it down just a little bit. Matthew chapter 6, it's a good thing this one wasn't on when I was singing, you would have been able to hear me a lot more. Matthew chapter 6, we're continuing to go through the uh, Great Commission, not the Great Commission, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we come to a, just a really encouraging section of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at the last several verses of Matthew chapter 6, um, starting in verse number 25. You know, we know that we're not supposed to worry, and we know that we're supposed to cast all our cares upon God, but oftentimes we simply ignore the command to let the burdens and concerns of the day go to God as opposed to us. And when we worry, it affects many different aspects of our life. But the most important aspect that it tears down is our spiritual life. When we're worrying and we're constantly in fear and concern, it ruins our relationship with God. It takes our faith off of God and onto ourselves. And with that happening, it hurts our relationship with God. We cannot walk then in a true and open relationship with the Lord. And so I want us to read here again. Remember, this is Christ preaching this message. This is his sermon, and starting in verse 25, the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For... After all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look at these encouraging thoughts, and they can be challenging thoughts, Lord, when our faith is lacking and so I pray that today you would draw us back to you or closer to you and God I pray that as again I present your sermon Lord that I would do it clearly and that I would do it correctly and I pray this in Jesus name amen we see many different burdens connected with worry and the first thing I want us to see today is just daily life daily life things that we go about on a daily basis and we see in the first two verses that we read, we see a little bit of pressure acknowledged there at the beginning of verse 25, as he says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Uh, meaning, don't be distracted by worry and concern for the things of life. 
when we talked about prayer and Christ giving the sample prayer, the model prayer, uh, the example that he gave us, one of the things he said is, give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us on a daily basis. God, when we pray, we say, God, provide for me the needs that I have specifically today. And we see here in this, this sermon that Christ is preaching and the crowd in front of him, he, ex- he acknowledges the fact that there is pressure because people are obviously taking thought for the things of their life. And w- he's saying that we should not con- be concerned about, worried about there. He says back in verse uh, 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So he's speaking to the Jews specifically here and, and people who are trying to follow Jewish law and, and be religious and their mind being right but being religious. And he's saying, these are the things that the world is concerned with. You should not be concerned with these things. That's not to say that we should never think about what we put on, right? It should match. It should look okay. Uh, It's not to say we should not think about what we're eating. We should have some conscious effort to not fill our bodies with utter junk, although I love utter junk. But um, it's not to say we should not think about it's meaning we shouldn't worry about the provision for these dailies these daily needs not only the pressure acknowledged but we see here a perspective that is altered and we see in verse 25 again it says um take no thought for your life what you shall eat what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on and we see this thought here of the anxiety that fills many people's lives, and specifically many people who are supposedly following God, the anxiety that fills their lives with the daily needs that are there. He says it's unnecessary. The anxiety and the stress that you have over your daily needs, it's not necessary. I'm going to take care of your daily needs. What happens and why we have anxiety is because we're dependent on ourselves to accomplish what only God can do. And so we then begin to stress out because we understand we are not capable of sustaining the life that we want to live. But God is capable of sustaining the life that he wants us to live. And so the anxiety that we have is unnecessary. In verse 31 it says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall ye eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? There's just absolutely no purpose for it. Why are you doing it? Don't do it. In verse 34, it tells us, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take care of itself, or take the thought for the things of itself. It's unprofitable. Um, Everybody wants to be profitable. We don't want to go backwards, right? You've heard the phrase, one step forward, two steps back. That's not profitable. We want to go forward. We want to press forward. And to do so, we have to take the anxiety and the care and the worry and give it to God and let him provide the needs that we have. Our church, I'm so thankful for this, our church all throughout the years has been dependent on God to provide for the needs that we have. And in every single moment that we had a need, instead of worrying about it, instead of stressing about it, instead of panicking about it, we said, God, we have a need. This didn't mean that we did nothing, right? But our faith and our dependence was not on ourselves to fix the, 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 the issue at hand. It was God. Guide us. Give us wisdom. Give us provision. And every single time, God has. 
And if we can't learn from that as what we experience as a church, um, because maybe you have an experience in your own life, because maybe in your own life you haven't given your worries and your concerns to God, so you haven't seen it. But if you can at least take a, take a, a picture of what you saw through the church and what God's done for the church and understand he can do that in your own life as well. The anxiety and the, the worry that we have, the stress that we have, it's unnecessary and it's unprofitable. It gets us nothing. And so he gives us a picture of the birds uh, here. He says, Behold, the fowls of the air, verse 26, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And then he ends with this question, Are ye not much better than they? How many birds are there in the world? Supposedly, there's 9,800 different species of birds and approximately 400 billion birds in the world today. They never plant seed. They never grow crop. They never harvest crop. They never store up in barns. The Bible says, yet God feeds them. They always have something to eat. And he says, if I provide for the fowl of the air, for the birds, how much better are you than a bird? The answer is you're a lot better than a bird, no matter what Peter wants to tell you. You are far better than the birds. And God values you far more than he values flying wings in the air. He says, I feed them, I take care of them, I will do the same for you as well, and I will do more. No person could pay to feed all the birds in the world. The birds are just that. They fly here and there and everywhere. Um, they're just around. We shoot them out of the sky sometimes. Sorry if you're against that. Uh, we eat them on a pretty regular basis, some birds. Um, and uh, some politicians eat a lot of crow, but anyways. Um, there's a lot of birds out there, and God takes care of them, and God will take care of you. You're more important than the birds of the air. And you need to remember that. And then secondly, tonight, today I want to see not only day, our daily life, but I want to see divine logic. Divine logic. Look in verse 27. He says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? He takes a look at and uses the example of the, uh, the person who is a little shorter and wants to be taller. And he says, which of you can add to your height? There are ways, right, people do this. They used to stretch people out, um, trying to make them taller, hang them upside down by their ankles, and they'll stretch out. And uh, Different theories and philosophies and things like that. And it, The truth is, is you cannot add to your height. You can put inserts in your shoes that make you look taller, but you cannot add to your height. God is the one that grows you. God is the one that grows you just like he grows the plants. He grows you. And no matter how much you think about it, no matter how much you stress about it, you cannot add an inch or even less or even more to your height. I grew up, I wanted to play basketball. That was a dream of mine. And I was a very skinny, scrawny boy. I, was, uh, uh, I wasn't tall. I wasn't short either, I guess. But I always would look at people who were like 6'7 and 6'8 and they didn't play basketball and I used to be mad at them. I'm like, if you're going to be that tall, you should play basketball. Would you give me your height, and I'll play basketball for you? Um, it just didn't work out that way. No matter how much I wanted to be taller, it, it just didn't matter. I couldn't get taller. I'd get as tall as God was going to grow me, and that was it. 
So there's no reason to stress about that. Then he brings it back to the flowers in verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment, for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. They're not making clothing. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed, listen to the terminology used here, the grass of the field, which today is, and then tomorrow it gets cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He says, picture the lilies. There's nothing prettier than them, and they do no work. They don't spin clothes. They don't sew, and they're not seamstresses, and they don't get fabric and things like that. They just grow. And God says, I clothe them. And if I clothe the grass of the field, the grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, the grass that grows and the mower comes and cuts it off and it's gone, the grass that gets uh, gathered together and thrown into the, to the furnace for different uses, if I'm going to make that look beautiful, how much more beautiful am I going to make you? We're not talking about fancy clothes, designer clothes, or anything like that. It's God saying, I'm going to provide for you in a sufficient way that in my eyes is going to make you beautiful. And he says here, if you'll consider what I do for the birds, and if you'll consider what I do for the weeds, and understand that you're far better than any of those things, then you can understand how I'm going to take care of you. And he throws in the little phrase at the end of the verse, O ye of little faith. Why did he say that? It's because they had little faith. It's because here they sat in front of God, and they were worried and they were concerned about their daily needs. They were concerned about their daily provisions, about how they were going to be clothed and provided for. And God says, just trust me for it. Because I clothe the insignificant things of this world, I feed the insignificant things of this world, I provide for the insignificant things of this world, and God says, I value you. I'm going to take care of you if you would just let me. And we see here, he says in verse 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what, wherewithal shall we be clothed? Skip down in the middle of verse 32, For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God knows, and God cares. You see, because we look at this world in a human perspective and we've seen the pictures of the globe and the, you know, the, the far views of this world and we think we're just this little speck in the grand scheme of creation. What am I? Who am I? I'm just this little tiny piece. Yet God knows the needs that you have and God cares about you. God loves you. And God cares for you, and he says, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. And they're sitting here, and they're worrying, and they're stressing about where are we going to eat, or what are we going to eat, and how are we going to get the provisions that we need, and all of these things. And, and Jesus says, God knows that you have need of these things. But you lack faith. You don't depend on him to provide for the needs that you have. He's waiting. He's a loving father, and a loving father provides what you need. He protects you when you're in danger. He also punishes you when you're done wrong. 
When we think about the idea that God sees everything, and we've mentioned this many times, but he sees, and we, we've always, as kids, we go, uh-oh, God sees me. That's how we teach it to kids. God's watching you. <laughs> he is, it's true, but uh, that's also a good thing. Because God sees everything that you do, he knows the needs that you have. Because he sees everything you do, he knows the good that you do. Because he sees everything that you do, he rewards you appropriately for, the, for what you do, for how you obey, for the faith that you have. And so I want us to see how we can now have that faith, how we now can um, live a life that is not worrying about the daily needs that we have, but having the faith that God is going to take care of the needs that we have. First things first, priorities have to be right. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what is that? Food, clothing, needs. And all these things shall be added unto you. Before God will give us these things, we have to seek the things of God. Worrying about money will cause us to seek for money. But seeking God or the things of God and obeying God and pleasing God will get us the money that we need. Worrying about food will cause us to seek for food, but seeking the things of God and obeying God and pleasing God will get us the food that we need. Worrying about a position or a job will have us seeking for money or for a position or a job. But pleasing God and obeying Him and doing what He wants you to do will get you the position or the job that God wants you to have. The priority is not, here's my needs, I've got to take care of those needs. The priority is, God, what do you want? You say, well, I need money. Okay, God, what do you want? Well, I need answers. Okay, God, what do you want? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And, not just the kingdom of God, his righteousness. What is righteousness? In the simplest form, it's doing right. Purity, holiness. If you seek the things of God, God will give you the food and the clothing and the provision that you need but we're so caught up with seeing, I need this. And we can ask God for those things, can we not? God, I need this. But in asking God for that provision, are you still seeking your own desires? That's why we seek first the kingdom of God. God, I believe I need this. What do you want? God, I think that I need this to provide for my family, to take care of them the way that they're supposed to, to be. But what do you want? What is your desire? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, obedience, following God, for seeking his righteousness because I'm not righteous. If I'm seeking his righteousness, then I'm, I'm trying to do right which means I'm obeying, which means I have the faith that I'm supposed to have. 
which means I'm doing the things that God has told me to do. Seeking that, God's righteousness for me. Then all these things, the provisions, will be added unto you. Isn't it funny how we have need of something small, but in our minds we think, I want a lot more. God, I need $300 to pay for this bill. But God, I want $800 so I can get this thing also. It's not always wrong. And again, if you want it, you can ask for it. But but are you asking God for provision to fulfill his desires or to fulfill your own desires? Christians struggle with seeking first the kingdom of God. Even in ministry, we preachers, things that we seek are oftentimes still selfish. Full auditoriums, bigger buildings, different ministries. Those things can be good and fine as long as it's God's desires and not our own. Each of us in our own lives have different things that we desire, and they're not all bad. It's not wrong to have desires. But are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Because if you do, God says, I'll provide all your needs. Lastly, we want to understand, if we want to seek God first, and if we want to have our provisions provided for us, focus on today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about today either, but... uh, Don't be caught up with tomorrow. Focus on today. It says there in verse 34, Take no therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things for itself. Tomorrow is going to be a whole other day. Again, this is not anti-planning and thinking ahead, but the idea is today God provide for the needs that I have. Don't spend the day looking for tomorrow because more than likely sin is going to try to get you today. All of a sudden, your guard's down because you're thinking about tomorrow and you're not doing what you're supposed to do today. We have to take the time we have today because, honestly, we don't know that tomorrow's coming. If I ask for a raise of hands, I don't know how many we get. I'm not going to do this, but are you concerned, um, sinfully worried? Put it that way. This will make you think. Are you sinfully worried about where our country's headed? Because if you're an American, you're concerned. If you're a Christian American, you're concerned. But are you sinfully worried about where the country's headed? God says, why don't you focus on where where we're at today? Because tomorrow may not come. And if all you're thinking about is five, ten, three, four, whatever years down the road, the opportunity is in front of you today to do what you're supposed to do. Share the gospel with as many people as you can. Do what you can do today. And then we'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. Keep your focus where it should be, your priorities straight. All we have is right now to do right and serve God with all that you have. There's an old story about a clock. It stood in the corner of a room, busily ticking away the hours. 
The clock, beginning to think and worry, said to itself, I tick once every second. There are 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. That means I have to tick 3,600 times every hour and 86,400 times every day. Then there's tomorrow and the day after that, and days and weeks and months lie ahead. In a year, I will have to tick 31,536,000 times. The clock became discouraged, and as it added the burden of unborn days to the burden of the present moment of time, it began to run more and more slowly until it, also came, until it almost came to a stop. Then the clock had an encouraging thought. After all, it said, it's only a tick at a time. With that flash of insight, the clock gathered the strength and carried on with its allotted task, measuring the passing moments a tick at a time. What about you? Are you so concerned with what's ahead that you're not accomplishing what you need to accomplish today? Or can you, like this imaginary clock, think to yourself, one tick at a time. The song, One Step at a Time. We look ahead and it causes us to fail today. Focus on God. Let Him be in control of your life. Live life one step or one tick at a time. And focus on what God has for you today. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You're better than a bird. You're prettier than a flower because God values you and he will provide for you. Obey, have faith, seek his will, and follow what he tells you to do. Pretty simple, right? Lord, I pray for your help today. I know there are times in all of our lives where we struggle with worry and concern where our focus maybe veers off of you and onto ourselves. How can I fix this? How am I going to fix this? How am I ever going to survive this? And instead of just seeking you and your desires and obeying you and having faith in you, God, we fail. Today, Lord, we looked at your message, just a segment of your Sermon on the Mount. And Lord, you tell us in your sermon that you care for us, that you love us, and that you will provide for us. And today, Lord, I pray that there's any lacking faith. Lord, if you would look at us today and say, oh, ye of little faith, God, today would you strengthen us? Would you refocus our eyes back onto you? And God, I pray that if we've never experienced your provision in our own life, that today would be the day it starts. So help us to seek you first. And then, Lord, let us praise you for how you provide. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning.